I cost myself insane amounts of short-term money, worked insane amounts of hours. If you broke down my hourly rate, it was probably anywhere from 25 cents an hour to 50 cents an hour if I'm being nice to myself. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever, stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. To join me, go to myworstinvestmentever.com and sign up for our free weekly Become a Better Investor newsletter where I share how to reduce risk, create and grow and protect your wealth. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guest, Adam Rosen. Adam, are you ready to join the mission? Let's do it. I'm ready. I am excited to have you on and I'll introduce you to the audience. Adam Rosen is an entrepreneur who loves to support business owners and share his roller coaster startup journey to help those on a similar path. He is the founder of Email Outreach Company, where they do automated email outreach to get startups onto more sales appointments without the hassle. Adam, take a minute and tell us about the unique value that you're bringing to this wonderful world. Yeah, well, first and foremost, thank you, Andrew. I appreciate you having me on. I love the work you're doing, so I appreciate you having me. So I never thought that I would get an intro like the one you just gave where I'm running a cold email outreach company because it's one of those things that nobody likes to do, nobody wants to do it, but every single business needs to do it. It doesn't matter if you're a teeny tiny one-person startup or a large Fortune 50 company. Everybody needs more top of the funnel. And a great way to get more top of the funnel can be through cold email outreach if you know what you're doing. So uh, yeah, we we started the business about two years ago now. It was very much just a, a kind of a, a one of those things where I talked to one of the startups that I was advising. He said, hey, Adam, can you talk to my head of sales? She's struggling to get meetings on the books. I called up my co-founder, my previous tech startup, and long story short, that's when we built out the first version of the company. So tell us how someone listening, I mean, I think we can go with the assumption that everybody knows, hey, you've got to, you got to work on emails and you got to work on top of the funnel, all that stuff. The question is, how do you help with that? And how do also, how does the listener learn more about that? So number one, we could just take everything off of your plate. So the majority of the work that we do is full service for our clients, where we do everything from getting the email list for the people that we're going to reach out to, writing the copy of that primary email, writing the eight follow-ups, because we do a nine-point email sequence, to managing the entire inbox. You know, So for every meeting that we book for a customer, they don't know it, but there's tens, if not hundreds of responsive people saying, hey, thanks for reaching out, but I'm not interested. So we manage the entire process. We put put our clients, we book a meeting right on our client's calendar, then they take it from there. So that's the primary way we work with our customers. But now we've gotten really good at email deliverability, helping our customers not land in spam. So for companies that are in the spam inbox, they'll come to in spam and not going into the inbox. They'll come to us. We'll get them out of spam. We'll teach people on how to write emails that they could do it themselves. We'll get them email lists. So we have other services, but the primary way is, hey, you want to get on more sales appointments and you don't want to deal with all that other crap, we'll take it off your plate and we'll do it for you. And for the typical person listening, including myself, like, oh man, that's going to be super expensive and it's going to be problematic and the email and which email address are we sending out of and how are we, you know, all of those complications. How do you deal with those objections? 
Well, we broke it down even. We're we're a, a more cost-effective way than even higher internally with their own SDRs. So we we broke it down detail by detail to have a pretty darn good ROI calculator to show that, hey, we're going to be less money, we're going to produce better results, and we're going to be a lot less of a hassle than hiring internally. And that's why a lot of startups, specifically when we're working with the C-suite of these startups, they value it where they're like, we don't have to worry about you. We know you're going to do a great job. You're going to get me on appointments and I don't have to deal with all the other crap that goes into it. And I'm looking at your website right now, email. It looks like eocworks.com. Is that correct? Yep, you got it. And it says more sales appointments, hassle-free. Nice. And so for a person listening or viewing this that says, okay, I want to, I think I need to engage. What's their next step? Go to the website? Yeah, number one, it's figuring out do you sell a high ticket enough item that's worth it to work with a company like mine? So yep. I always say, if your ACV, your annual contract value is under 10K, we're probably not a fit to work together, at least from a full service perspective. Now, can we help with some of our additional services? Yes, but not full service because it's just too difficult to justify the CAC, the cost of acquiring a customer. So that's number one. But then number two, if you do value meetings with prospects, reach out. And at the very least, I'm happy to provide feedback on how you can uh, do it more effectively, if not just handing over the keys so that we can uh, do a great job for you to get you more sales appointments. So let's say that you have an average contract value of $20,000 as an example. So, okay, you fit into that category that this could be good for you. Tell us about the process. Like for instance, if that person's listening and they say, I want to, I want to sign up for this. I need this. How long does it take before they see results? How are they paying? What's the amount of work that they've got to do? Or how seamless is this for them? We built this for startups, specifically selling directly into the CEO. So they don't have time. They don't have a long ramp period. They don't have a lot of time that they can invest into this. The whole point is taking this off your plate. So the ramp period is three weeks when we start decide to start working together before we send out the first email. The reason why is we create a new domain for you, new emails for you, and there's a lot of warm up that goes into it so that before we start, you know, the the outpouring of emails that we're going to do, we want to make sure that you're landing in the inbox. So it takes about two to three weeks to get it ready to start sending out emails. And then we're booking appointments sometimes in that first day, but in the very least in that first week to put some color on it. One of the, the companies that started a three-month pilot with us. We always put a guarantee for them. Hey, you should guarantee, we guarantee at least four appointments in a month. So you never have to worry about not at least getting that. Our pricing is structured where we want to get you on as many appointments as possible. With this particular startup in the first month, we got them on 18 sales appointments. So, mm -hmm. you know, we got to what I call email market fit very quickly. We try to get that as quickly as possible. Sometimes it takes a little longer than others, but we always get you meetings within the first week. I've never seen a customer start. We don't get them a meeting at least in the first week. And so what you talked about is, okay, there's some infrastructure you got to put in place to get it done right. And so domains and emails and all that, and then getting the copy and getting it out. But it sounds like results come pretty quickly. What do you do for startups and owners that basically say, oh yeah, but my the target of my email needs to be someone that you're probably not good at, or they could be in a different country. They're in a particular industry that could be this, that. I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot of objection there. How do you handle that? At this point, I got MasterCard as a client of my my tech startup from cold emailing Ajay Banga, now their former CEO. So one of the busiest, most successful people in the world, got him three phone calls, passed this to a CHRO, and they bought. 
One of our customers, they have a luxury campground. They want to reach out to influencers. We got them someone from the ten- a wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans. We had a face based we have a faith based movie that's working with us. They're focused on uh, reaching out to churches. We loaded up their calendar with priests, pastors, etc. So at this point, we booked a meeting with just about anybody. So I would say if there's an email for them, we'll probably do a pretty darn good job again. You again, uh, you on an appointment with them just fires you up when you hear that, you know, and I know for any listener that's got a business that's trying to expand, that's just, that's fire talk, Adam. One, one last thing, is there anything that you don't do or you can't do? Obviously, if something's a low contract value, it's just not worth it. There's not enough revenue to recoup what you guys need to be paid. Is there anything that you don't do? We haven't worked for any political campaigns, you know, where they'll, they'll reach out to their, their email database. So that's one not saying I wouldn't do it, but we haven't done that yet. And we we try to focus on B2B. Like we've done outreach to get people on podcasts. We've done influencer outreach, like I, like I, I shared a little bit earlier, but I, I really like to focus on how do we bring our customers money? As we all know, cash flow is everything in a business, especially a startup. So I love when our customers tell us, hey, we just landed and we just got this email recently, a $250,000 deal that could turn into a $500,000 plus deal from our outreach. So that's the stuff that lights me up and gets me excited because I know how important, especially for bootstrap stars, but really any startup, how important cash flow is. So I prefer B2B. That's really where our focus is. I heard someone say something that uh, the other day that I just love and I, I repeat it all the time now, and that is about his startup, he said, we're customer financed. Yep. Meaning Amen. revenue finance. So I love Amen. that. Last question is just, how do you charge? What's the payment structure? We charge a monthly fee plus commission. Commission is either off of every sale that you make from one of the meetings we set up, or we charge commission off of every meeting that we successfully book for you. So you got in the meeting, it was a good meeting for you. The other way that we recently introduced was just a flat fee option which customers tend to like doing now because they see that they pay us a lot more money in commissions from the good work that we're doing, but can either be a lower monthly plus commission or slightly higher monthly, no commission. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're not fired up, I don't know what's going to fire you up. If you've got a startup and you've got a business that's got to expand, just go to eocworks.com. All right, Adam, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be Tell us about the circumstances leading up to it, then tell us your story. Yeah. So first and foremost, I want to say the thing that I resonate a lot with with your podcast is it's one of my beefs with the startup world is I feel like we always want to talk about the sunshine and the rainbows and these quote unquote overnight successes. And as we all know, it is BS. It is just not real. And when I when I was in college, I, I took an entrepreneurship class. I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. <laughs> Then my my professor at the time, she was starting an entrepreneur program. So I, I led that program, getting it, doing an internship. My senior went well. I did an MBA. And then three weeks before I graduated with that MBA, I started a business with my original two co-founders. And I was a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, you know, young 22-year-old kid and thinking like, hey, it's billionaire or bus, IPO or bus. I'm going to do this till the day I die. Like, here's my startup. And that tees it all up to being my worst financial investment ever, hands down. I cost myself insane amounts of short-term money, worked insane amounts of hours. If you broke down my hourly rate, it was probably anywhere from 25 cents an hour to 50 cents an hour if I'm being nice to myself. So for me, you know, coming out of college, I had a great opportunity to make a good amount of money. 
and I decided to start my my first business. In the the first year of that company, we were not funded. I didn't take a dollar. I worked in a restaurant on the weekend so that my bank account wouldn't just be a straight 90 degree free for all. Instead, it would be a slow demise. (laughs) And then after a year in, we ended up raising capital. And then for the next four years, we had a roller coaster of building my startup, raising a little bit of money, having some decent success, but never paying myself. And I'll be very upfront about this more than $40,000 a year. Mm-hmm. That was it for the first four years. And I was literally living on my credit card for years and years and years and thinking like, hey, here's going to be our big break. Here's going to be our big break. Here's going to be our big break. And it never happened. And we did sell the company and we did have an exit back in 2019, but it wasn't some big, glamorous, fancy exit. It was one to make sure that our customers could end in a good spot. The business could live on, which it is. And we can move on to what's next in my co-founder and I's journey. So it was probably the, it was definitely the worst financial short-term mistake I could make, but it was the best investment ever because every one of the mistakes that I made over that five-year stretch, I brought into this business now. And there are so many things that I refuse to do with this business and so many pillars that my co-founder and I focus on each and every day that have made this business successful. And that'll hopefully make us a hell of a lot more successful in the future. So let's review, first of all, think about the major learnings that you took away from that, but also what are those? How are you bringing those into your current company? A couple of main things stick out with that, Andrew. So number one, it's product market fit. Every single company, I always recommend get to product market fit as quickly as possible. Mm. For any business, churn can be just demoralizing, devastating, and a killer for any business. And that was our biggest problem is we were good at getting new customers. And the reason why is because of you know what we do now, which is cold email. We were always getting new at-bats, getting big customers from it. But churn was a big problem. And the reason why is because we never got to product market fit. So with this business, email outreach company, you know we like to sell. We like to get new business. We like a lot of action. We like the energy that new customers bring. But for the first 10 months or so, we kept our three beta customers, didn't bring on a single other customer. We were in the inboxes, responding to every email, feeling every groove of the process because we knew we didn't want to grow this business until we knew we had something that people didn't just want to buy once, but wanted to buy a second and a third time and a fourth time, et cetera, et cetera. And they also want to pay us more money because we're providing additional value. So that's number one is get to product market fit as quickly as possible. Mm. Maybe I'll share a few things that I take away from your story. The first thing I take away from the story is that startup is a trap. Ultimately, you're going to be in it for five years, 10 years, you know, and you're not going to be able to get out of it very easily. Not like you can just walk away. And so first thing to think about for everybody as you get into startup world is that you're going to be trapped in that situation. And you better be damn sure you're in with the right people, you're doing the right thing and all that. But even if you try really hard to make sure that all those things that work right, you're just going to, you're going to be trapped. So once you understand that, then, you know, you go in with your eyes wide open as to what I'm, you know, what you're getting into. So that's the first thing. The second thing is as a valuation guy that spends my life looking at startups and businesses and valuing them, startups ask me the question, how do I get a higher exit price? And I always say the same thing. I said, oh, that's easy. I mean, in fact, you could you could make this one change that I'm going to tell you to do today, and it's going to guarantee that you're going to get a higher exit price. And they say, well, what's that? I'll do that. I said, 
double your salary. And they said, how is doubling my salary going to help with that? And I said, because you're underpaying yourself, guaranteed. In fact, you need to double the salary of the whole management team. You need to make sure everybody's paid at a market rate. And you're going to find out very quickly whether you're a profitable company or not. Because your acquirer is going to be looking at that because they're going to say, well, what if everybody leaves and I've got to go out in the market and hire these people at market prices? So the thing that I was just thinking about that I it reminds me is that there's no badge of honor in the startup world by talking about how you're not paying yourself. If you're doing that, stop and think about it. Now, that may mean that, okay, I can't do it today, but you better be ramping that up. And if your business can't handle that higher cost of your, then then you, you may just have a hobby, unfortunately. And that, I just want to talk also about product market fit, because I think actually you really talked about the benefit of product market fit is retention. You know, the whole thing, I mean, like the, the membership model and getting recurring revenue and all that, that's all comes down to retention. And that is that you're delivering something that the client doesn't want to end. We need this and we want to always use that. And that's really the key. I mean, I, I think about Zoom as an example. I started this podcast a long time ago and I've done 650 or so episodes and I've done them all on Zoom and I never want to stop paying Zoom because it's been flawless. I mean, I've had never had a technical issue and so the result is, is that I just want to keep paying them so that that continues. So, and product market fit is so hard sometimes. And I would say that every single entrepreneur starts with their dream product or service. So you're guaranteed that product market fit is going to be the first problem you're going to face. So those are the three things. The first one, start as a trap. The second one is, you know, double your value by paying yourself market prices. And then the third one is that, Product market fit is about retention and most, every startup's got to go through that. You better do it sooner rather than later. Anything you would add to that? Well, on the retention piece, it's so important because even for, for the business now, we don't lock anyone into year-long contracts. I like being on the chopping block every month and they're in Stripe and it's going to get charged once a month unless they tell us stop working with us. And that, that almost never happens. Mm -hmm. And for us, that's the real barometer because- in our previous business, we did year-long contracts. And you're always taught, get a year-long contract. And there's a lot of value in that. Sure, absolutely, I get it. But for me, I think there's so much more value in every single month, the customer saying yes to you. Because for business owners, you want to find the reality of your business as quickly as possible. Whether it's good, you know, you're trending in the right direction, everything is positive, or if it's bad. I would rather know I need to change stuff because customers are pulling out versus I got people in a year-long contract and I'm just going to sit back and wait for the next nine, 10 months thinking everything is peaches and roses. So I like being on the chopping block every month and it's a test. Are we performing? And if we are, the market is going to tell us we're performing. Because ultimately to make a business successful, it's got to be voluntary that people are saying, I'm searching this out and I don't want to leave it. This is Amen. what I mean. I started a membership last year and I did a very low price point for friends and family and people that I know. And I did like a founder's membership because I wasn't sure exactly the value I was going to deliver, how I was going to deliver it and all that. But man, every month is a test. Mm -hmm. Every month we're put to the test. And, you know, we lost some people, but generally we've kind of had a pretty steady thing. So I think that challenge yourself, ladies and gentlemen, go on a monthly payment schedule and see. You'll get feedback a lot quicker than if you're on a, 
an annual contract. You think you're you're smart by hooking in that annual contract, but you may want to go to your client, your first clients and say, pay me on a monthly basis. Fantastic. All right. So let me ask you, let's go back in time and you know, you've learned all that you've learned and think about a young person in the same type of situation, all pumped up and doing their startup. Based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Focus on profitability and more importantly, profitable systems. So everything that that my co-founder and I talk about it all the time, one of our key pillars is profitable R&D. So we'll do research, we'll do, we'll try new things, but it needs to be profitable. And one of the big mistakes I think a lot of people get tricked to in the startup world, I know I did. So I met with a, a you know serial entrepreneur, this is probably four or five years ago. And the guy was like, Adam, red is the new black, red is the new black. Don't worry if you're losing money, you just want to scale, scale, scale. And sure, that can work for some Silicon Valley startups. Absolutely. But for all of our businesses, it's really simple. It's can you get new customers? Can you keep those customers? And can you make it profitable? So that's my advice to every new founder is, hey, focus on profitability and focus on your systems. And on top of all that, build to sell from the start. <laughs> every And I, I think, again, back to me being a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, young entrepreneur that didn't know a damn thing. And I'm like, I want to build this for the rest of my life, IPO or bust. When I hear somebody say that, I just think you're a pup, just like I was a pup. And I had great mentors that recommended Adam build to sell. And I didn't do it soon enough. But I believe every single business business owner has a responsibility to build their company to sell it from the start. Because mm -hmm. if you do that, a couple of things are going to happen. Either one, you can choose to sell your company and great, have an exit and move on to something else. Or two, you have a company that is clearly successful, clearly working, and most likely can scale if somebody else wants to buy it. And hey, keep running it and operating on your own. So every company needs to build itself from the start. I didn't do a good job of that in the, in the beginning of my first company. And I always recommend every single entrepreneur to do this, to do the same thing. Profitable R&D and build to sell. Excellent. So let me ask you, what's a resource that you'd recommend of your own companies or anything else? Feel free. Yeah, for anybody who wants more sales appointments, if anyone is doing cold email on their own and it's not working, maybe you're ending up in spam, maybe you're not getting the responses you want, go to eocworks.com. You can book right through my calendar directly on the website. Happy to have a conversation with you about either us doing this for you, helping you with your, your current approach, or just talking startup sales and getting more sales opportunities. Fantastic. All right, last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Number one goal is to have a company offer to acquire my company over the next 12 months. Doesn't mean I'm going to accept it, but I want to have that a good offer for 2x revenue to be more specific. And on top of that, to kind of a 1A, just be happy, enjoy life and keep traveling the world, which is, which is what I'm doing. And so those are the one and the 1A. Fantastic. All right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. If you haven't joined, just go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and join the free weekly Become a Better Investor newsletter to reduce risk in your life well. As we conclude, Adam, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of Ace Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Thank you, Andrew. Keep up the good work. And uh, for everybody, just, just keep on going. Perseverance and spirit have done wonders in all ages. 
Fantastic. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. Let's celebrate that today we added one more person to our mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.